You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I'm not even going to bring it up. Yes, Fitz was cheating on me again. Yes, back to back. Just no break. Straight from Chenan Golic Jr. right into this. And I heard after this show, he's going to have to get himself ready for uh, KJ and Z tomorrow morning. So uh, no it's slot a, is safe. It's an no open relationship. You did the safe. daily. You got around mm-hmm. the horn. Like, you're, you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. I'm just a little grinded down here. Like, we're you know, it, it's it's open relationship. That's all. We just, you know, we've got that. What that did you call yourself? A grind and dine? Uh, no, a grinder. A grinder. Uh, not the okay. not the app, <laughs> well, but just like somebody I didn't realize it was home. that open of a relationship, but that's a conversation for another time. And it is the final day of Pride Month, so I'm here for it <laughs> if you are. It's Spain and Fitz. Here's Spain. We're off. There we Jason. And bit, CSPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Speaking of Pride Month, cool montage uh, during the show today that I'm going to play from my podcast with a bunch of different guests talking about what Pride means to them. Excited for you guys to hear that. We also have Kevin Hart and his muscle car crew joining us a little later in the show. That's going to be fun talking about their new show and lots to get to when it comes to the NBA. We are leading you into the NBA's Western Conference Finals right here on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight for Game 6 as the Clippers host the Suns, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. We're going to get to that game sex, six. Whoa. Wow. Rough start today. Spain and Fitz <laughs> wow, on ESPN. my <laughs> mind? Wow, okay. We're going to get to game six a little bit later, but I want to talk about last night, Fitz. I, I cannot express the sadness deep in my soul when Giannis went down, and I should be used to this at this point. This is the most all-stars injured during a playoffs ever by nearly double. It should be almost inevitable at this point. But still, to see Giannis go down last night, dislocated knee, no structural damage is what we're hearing. Ligaments are sound. But they're saying doubtful for the next game. Timetable unclear. And I want you to hear, Fitz, what Chris Bosh just said today on the jump. I've hyperextended my right knee in my career. I, you know, I don't want to be a uh, pessimist or anything, but I don't think he will return for the rest of the season. Really? Really? So you think that's I mean, those, it? He's out for the rest of the playoffs? Those things are very challenging to come from. You get bone bruises. You mm-hmm. get um, all kind of damages in there. I'm speaking from experience. Mm. Mm. I mean, you hear that, and my heart sinks for Milwaukee on the one hand, and my heart sinks for Giannis, uh, absolutely, because winning a championship is such a legend-making moment for somebody that's already a two-time MVP. So knowing what's at stake for him as an individual, knowing what's at stake for Milwaukee. But I also do turn around and have just a little sense of of hope, even though Milwaukee came out, I think, particularly flat last night. And I was really stunned at the lack of energy early on. It felt like they weren't ready for the game, which was amazing considering Atlanta was the one that got the bad news. The one thing that I continue to just be dumbfounded by is anybody that wants to count, count Milwaukee out, considering they do have two players that are getting paid transcendent money. I mean, $160 million bucks for Chris Middleton and $177.5 million for Drew Holiday to me says, hey, if you're going to pay that kind of cash out to two players, those two players should be able to win a series against a Hawks team that still doesn't have Trey Young, at least for now. In theory, yes. But I think we all understand that sometimes the salary doesn't match up to the output, and that's no knock on those guys, even with some members of ESPN saying, you know, that Giannis is more of a Robin than a Batman after what we saw the other night. It's still very clear that he changes the way things go on the court. He changes both ends of the floor, even if he isn't the leading scorer. 
And him being out to me is just devastating, especially because there are so many questions about Coach Bud and his ability to adjust. This would be a massive adjustment, a complete change in style. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. were presented by Progressive Insurance. Greg Scalzo, who's from uh, ESPN Milwaukee, was on with Brendan Fitzsimmons and said, you know, it's going to be a big temptation to get Giannis out there as soon as possible, but they got to be careful. Giannis wanted to get back in the game tonight. And I, I do wonder if that game didn't get out of hand, um, you know, would have been irresponsible in my opinion. But Giannis is that kind of guy that would fight through that. He's not used to being injured. He's not used to sitting out. I do think he is going to do everything possible to play coming up in game five at home on Thursday in Milwaukee. Um, but the Bucks have to be prudent. Like, this is a bigger decision. He's a 26-year-old, two-time MVP superstar. You don't put him out there on a hyper-extended knee. Again, with a team that should have enough talent to beat the Hawks, I think it's unlikely that we see him in game five. And I hope that the Bucks do what's right from a long-term perspective and don't let Giannis sort of make this decision because – he's going to do anything to get out there. Hmm. That uh, comes back to what you've, you and I've talked about before. And I think is such an important point is we have to understand that sometimes athletes need to be saved from themselves and their own mindset. We also have to really think about, you know, the process that every team goes through in figuring out short-term versus long-term. And we've seen that even in conversations over the playoff run for athletes that want to get back in, in the NBA. And it's not always a simple discussion if you're Milwaukee and you're looking at it, if you're Coach Bud and you're looking at it, I mean, everybody knowing that the window is right here and it feels like the yellow brick road has been stacked in front brick by brick in a way that, you know, gets the Bucks to where they want to be, it would be tempting. But you can't let long-term uh, be jeopardized for short-term opportunity for him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just brutal. And listen, I know a lot of teams are going through this, whether that's Kawhi, whether it's back to Anthony Davis. But there's something specific that hurts me about this Bucks team, a team that has disappointed at this level multiple times, and this felt like the best shot. And, um, you know, same goes, of course, for the Suns, and that's a diff- in a different way because of Chris Paul's age or LeBron trying to get one or two more uh, before he's out. Um, at any turn, it can, it can really be disappointing to see these superstars go down. But something about Giannis last night uh, hurt a little extra. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Another concern you have with this Bucks team is that they probably already should have been putting the Hawks away, and Giannis was in the game while they were suffering double-digit deficits, right? This game was out of hand well before the injury, and that led to what Jay Williams had to say this morning with Keyshawn Johnson and Zubin on KJ and Z about who the Bucks really are. This is the thing that always has concerned me about Milwaukee is that sometimes it feels like there's a light switch that they play around with, right? Like sometimes that light switch is on. Like you saw them in their past game, like, man, they look dominant. This is a team that could easily win a world championship. And then other times you see them play and there's a lack of zest there. There's a lack of energy or passion that they come out with. And it just makes you wonder. And now that they've lost Giannis, now that there's all this pressure more so on Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday to step up, the fact that they were getting beat up like that without Trey Young on the floor, without Trey Trey Young on the floor. And think about how much the ball has revolved around Trey Young. Trey Young has needed to do everything for the Atlanta Hawks. And for Lou Will to come out last night, to have 21. For Bogdanovich to make six threes. For Kevin Herter out there to play as free, as careless. I mean, Gallo and I already have 10 points off the bench. You're just sitting there looking at like, I still don't know who the Bucks are. Mm. I mean, it makes sense. What he's saying there makes absolute sense to the one thing that we've continually said is there's a 
Like uh, the, the phrase everybody uses now is dog, but I'd say killer instinct. Like where is that that moment of we've got them and now we're going to absolutely step on them and eliminate them? And I expected that coming into the game last night. I really thought Milwaukee would come in and say, "Hey, we're going to do this now so that we can win this on our home floor." And it it just it was lacking. Their energy was lacking from the get go, and that's truly inexcusable at this point from a team at that level. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Joining us now here on Spain and Fitz, we got the whole cast of Kevin Hart's Muscle Car Crew. The series premiere, Choose Your Builder Wisely, streams Friday, July 2nd on the Motor Trend app. That means we got Kevin, Harry, Joey, John, Ron, and my favorite, even though I know nothing about him solely based on his name, Spank. So, Kevin, (laughs) let's start with... What feels like uh, your evil genius brain came up with this idea. When did you first get interested in uh, classic cars? Uh, I would love to say that my evil brain came up with the idea, but uh, nothing is done by yourself. You need a good team and you need good minds around you. And that's how you generate what ultimately becomes good content. So uh, it started off as a gift and gesture of kindness for me, turned into a lifestyle for us, and then turned into an idea for what could be a great TV show based off of our lack of knowledge and lack of understanding in a world where so many people love to talk and and boast within the space of jargon that we kind of don't know what what it is. So um, the concept was was kind of structurized between Harry and Joey of what it could be. We went out and found uh, some partners and some other good writers. Uh, Harvey Production was very active in helping put the pieces to the puzzle together. And Motor Trend received the idea very well. And now we find ourselves in a space where we have a, a TV show based on what we would do with or without it, which is love cars and drive our cars and, uh, you know, play in this space of car enthusiasm. Okay, but at some point, like, friendship is awesome. But we all know, like, I lived on a tour bus for a long time. You get on a tour bus with your buddies after a while, it gets a little tense. So what's the toughest part about doing a show, not just with like your, your coworkers, but actually with your friends? Oh, I don't, I want to make this very clear. I don't like them. I don't like, I don't like these guys. Right. So let's, that, I didn't know that that was the first question. I couldn't, I could have nailed that out the gate. This <laughs> I'm currently looking for six new, like if I can, if you can get me a hot new five, I'm happy with, with not, talking to these guys anymore. It's been too long. Joking, all jokes. Um, listen, we, we got years in. This is our opportunity to give an authentic, uh, real version of our friendship in a new way that it's yet been displayed. We got a radio show on Sirius XM uh, called Straight From The Heart, and we've had that for some time. People know us from touring and from comedy, but you don't know us on a day-to-day. This gives you this an opportunity to see that and and grow with us within this space that we're allowing you to. So hopefully our audience comes and watches it. And hopefully this audience that's already here says this is something new and fresh and I see why. And they gravitate towards us as well. The trailer for the show lets us know a little bit about each of the guys. We know, for instance, that Spank is voluptuous with with a good set of hips, which is useful. Um, We also know that, that Joey... Uh, Dub Wells is the oldest of the crew. He somehow ended up with a VW bug. I hope that's what you chose and not just what you were forced to settle for. But I'm curious, since you are the oldest, um, 
I love the idea of doing this to keep the boys together. And I don't want to get too serious, but there are a lot of stories about older men getting lonely. They get married, they have kids, they kind of lose their time with their buddies and they don't want to call each other on the phone. They don't go get their nails done together. So tell me, Joey, especially as the guy who's been around the longest, how important it is to have this thing that gets you an excuse to get together. I don't even want to call it an excuse. It is just a way for us to share something that we're really interested in love about. And in this show, you're going to see this friendship, this chaos, this brotherhood of guys who enjoy being around each other. And at any moment, an argument can happen. And I mean, at a drop of a dime, an argument can happen. And that's just how true friends are. So that is us and everybody up here. Like, I don't know who's undefeated in the argument world, but it's some great arguments can happen on here easily. I have a winning record, Joey. I have a winning record in the argument department. I have retired my argument jersey as I've grown older, but I did retire with a high winning percentage. We all know oh, on the lower boy. side. Uh, Eric go. and Spank are definitely on the lower side of an arguing winning percentage. Anyone who has John, to quit the arguing game clearly ain't undefeated. There's a reason why you quit, <laughs> and we will, I'm sure, find you. out on the show right thank Fitz? you for thank you for reading through the line yes. <laughs> all right who knows the least about cars in this whole group that would be Big, kevin um, Hart. um yeah. he has the most and the less uh knowledge about everything he's bought he's got the he's got the than, top of the line boston, joey all right you, well you, you know how to fake it better than boston boston joey but he has the top of the line uh, uh, cars and know nothing about anything that's in them. Every time we ask him, he got to go to his phone and check his text messages. Yes, yeah, the uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely agree. Well, we heard that baritone. That's uh, that's Kevin's trainer, who somehow uh, became a part of this crew as well. Are we? Is there any sort of corpor- corporal punishment that happens uh, if, if Kevin loses an argument and or if there's beef with the crew? Are you handing down, you know, push-ups mid-show or anything like that? No, no, no. It's just good fun. I'm, 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 I'm having, you know, fun on the show, debating about what I know. I have the um, first car Mustang off the assembly line, so. There's not much competition against me and my car. Boss, 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 the election wasn't stolen and you don't have the first one off the assembly line. I know those are <laughs> first yeah. one off the assembly line. I have the certificate. It was saved in your VIN number, boss. You guys are only arguing with him because he's in a Zoom box instead of next to you. We can see his arms from here, and that is why you are very forceful with the argument. Now, we'll see if you stick with it later. Oh, we got more flexing in in another Zoom box. We got got arms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Fitz has arms, too, but they're a little different. Tiny arms. Like, this counts, right? The itty-bitty arms. Uh, So last question for you guys on our way out. I know you mentioned that there are shows and competitions. This show is probably more about Uh, learning what you don't know, having some camaraderie, uh, an excuse to show off the gifts your rich friend gave you. But is there some sort of end point, whether that's a competition or a show or something that you're going to get ready for? Is that what what the show is leading towards? Uh, I mean, look, without giving you too much, there's nothing that I've done that hasn't been done with the intent of being five steps ahead at all times, right? So if you're talking about a journey, well, 
the journey has to have a punctuation to it. Right now, you're embarking on that journey with us. So to the audience that is going to watch and hopefully love, the first step to this journey is our world of knowledge and lack of understanding and the need to get more of it so that our cars can catch up to our appetite for perfection. Once that happens, well, then now you embark on another journey. After that journey, then now you embark on another journey. But these things have already been vetted out. We already know the direction of the story we want to tell because it has to be true to ourselves and our life as we know it. And that's what it is today. So uh, just know first step in journey is being real within the task of being a true car club. And understanding that, staying true to that, that's the priority of all. I love it. Uh, Fitz, it sounds uh, like me signing up for a show with you. Come on a journey with me. I don't know anything. Uh, it, I never know anything, especially about cars. I, I'm just here to look pretty. That's my job. It's been working out for me so far. So I hope it works out for the audience when they hop in, in, in your ride. Thanks, guys. And a good luck with the show. Thanks, boys. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know that a couple weeks ago we had a Washington Post reporter on to talk about the Tokyo Olympics needing to make a decision about nursing athletes and whether or not they'd be allowed to bring their infants with them to the summer games. As of a week or so ago, we were told no. And, and the rejections seemed to be inevitable for any athlete that petitioned and asked to bring a young infant but today, we are now hearing a reversal of that. We'll explain. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Fitz, today, uh, the spokesperson for the Olympics said, we're very pleased uh, that the Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee has found a special solution regarding the entry to Japan for mothers who are breastfeeding and their young children. The policy affects at least a handful of athletes from the U.S., um, and it sounds like great news, Right. But it does say specifically, will now be allowed when necessary. And Alex Morgan, who is supposed to head out there with the soccer team in seven days, tweeted out, still not sure what when necessary even means. Is that determined by the mother or the IOC? We are Olympic mothers telling you it is necessary. I have not been contacted about being able to bring my daughter with me to Japan and we leave in seven days. I am stunned. And I realize that we live in a world right now where everything is constantly changing. But given the world that we're in and what we're asking of the athletes that choose to be part of the Olympics, I'm just stunned that so much of this is last second. Like, I, I, and I don't have kids, so I obviously will never try to speak to that. I, I, I have dogs, and I can't imagine trying to figure out whether or not I could have a dog sitter for the weekend for anything. So just then thinking about having kids and then sitting there saying, well, am I going to Tokyo? Am I not going to Tokyo? Can I take my child? Can I not take my child? How long will I be there? How am I getting uh, the, the child taken care of? Like, these are all variables that are such amazing life things that have to be worked out. I'm just stunned that the Olympics are kind constantly changing their their stance and i'm also stunned that they're not being clear in the communication through the entire process yeah i would like to say i'm stunned but this is the ioc which really competes with fifa and the ncaa for worst organizations ever to exist uh (laughs) really really that's not an exaggeration uh you know what's interesting fits we know that family members have been barred from attending foreign spectators are excluded there will be very small domestic crowds this is going to look very different from the usual olympics but i guess the question is now if these very young children, which, by the way, 
If they're breastfeeding, that means they're literally still dependent upon this other person's body to survive. And I understand you can use, um, you know, formula and stuff, but that's how connected these two beings still are. So to expect them to separate for the purposes of going to compete was absurd to begin with. And we saw plenty of athletes, you know, flat out saying that. But now my question is, if these infants are allowed to go, but no other family is, who's watching them? Right. If you are competing with the smallest number of people going with you, a coach or whatever, I'm curious about what what that means for these competitors and and the infants. And I guess that's yet another question that will have to be asked moving forward. So we'll keep you updated on that story. That is the latest, although Alex Morgan's still looking for even more concrete information from the IOC on that. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Don't forget to subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast, by the way. You can get all the stuff you missed, including last night when Jason got hit by a lightning bolt, and I think you can hear it on the show, and he was tasting metal. Uh, So if you missed that, make sure to go back and check that out. Uh, Let's talk about tomorrow, Fitz. A massive gates opening difference for collegiate athletes with name, image, and likeness going into effect. And ESPN football writer David Hale was on Shanae Gould Jr. yesterday to describe what it's going to look like in college sports tomorrow. I would imagine, and I've I've been told, you know, there's several, I think, going to be very high-dollar deals announced, um, and probably from some athletes that that the average fan may or may not know, um, that's going to come out Thursday. As soon as the law happens, that's going to be announced. And uh, I am certain that some programs are going to be more than happy to promote, look at what our athletes are doing now. Um, You know, in the same way that you would promote, hey, we have five guys on an All-America team, preseason you're going to be saying hey we got 10 guys that that have endorsement deals right here and i talked to one uh advisor who works for one of these third-party companies that, that does uh nil stuff partnering with schools and he said pretty much every division one athlete that wants an endorsement probably is going to have access to something now i think some of those endorsements might be as little as like you know a hundred bucks and some of them i would not shock me if we were talking into seven figures. It's a, mm. by the way, everything David Hale said right there is absolutely makes sense. And I'll give friend of the show, Nicole Arbach, a bunch of credit. Uh, she's been tweeting about this really actively. I'd recommend go checking her out. Uh, but she tweeted earlier today, for anyone that doesn't know, the board of directors did vote to approve the interim policy, meaning all 50 states, athletes in all 50 states will be able to monetize their name, image, and likeness that starts tomorrow, and through the process of this, the NCAA has been very clear, even on their page, to, to tell everybody this is not pay-for-play, this is not impermissible uh, benefits, none of that. This is allowing you to sell your name, image, and likeness. But they did also say, directly to the question, can individuals enter into NIL agreements with boosters? The answer to that is on their page. Yes, provided the activity is in accordance with state laws and school policy, it's not an impermissible inducement and it does not constitute pay for play. So this is going to get murky really mm-hmm. quickly. And it starts tomorrow in the sense that, you know, the, the great example, Jordan Bohannon, who's a basketball player for Iowa. Well, uh, I mean, it was announced earlier today that he'll be at a local fireworks store tomorrow signing autographs, entering people into a raffle to win some signed gear. You can come meet him and buy your fireworks. Like things like this are happening. Not It's not just that the rule goes into place tomorrow. It's that tomorrow's a a lot like tampering in the NFL. We're used to free agent day. Like tomorrow, we're going to get announcements of massive amounts of money. Mm-hmm. And for some of these athletes that have huge social media presences, you are going to see six and seven figure deals that could be on the table for athletes to go out and make money off of the social media business that they built. 
a number of things coming out of this to consider. Number one is that amateurism is dying. That argument of amateurism is dying. The way the Supreme Court handled this particular most recent uh, discussion and case is going to have lasting, very meaningful effects. I know that it's been years of me saying I see a sea change coming and it hasn't come. I do believe that this is the the final boards of the dam are going to be whisked away by the the pushing waters. I don't know what analogy I'm using here, but I think you know what I'm saying. And if you didn't listen to Jay Billis on ESPN Daily last week, definitely listen. Everything he says is so smart about all of this. And this is an example of what happens when the NCAA is forced into action. Every other time that they say we we need time to come come up with this, to write this, to do this, in this case, because of the ruling from the Supreme Court, because of the ways they were exposed as operating like a cartel, they, in a short matter of time, figure out how to draft their own name, image, and likeness policy, figure out how to you know, control this in the, in the ways that they still can, which is much less than they had hoped initially, right? They still have some policies that they can put into place. But for the most part, these name, image, and likeness rules are going to be based on what the state laws are. So as much as they finally moved into quick action, um, they did so with guardrails that that are uh, very limited. Uh, they are they are trying to prevent a full deregulation, and that is sort of inevitable at this point because of the way that they very clearly have been operating unfairly. And uh, you know, Fitz, I think we're going to see a lot of questions come up, and most of them can be answered with "Yes, that could be a problem, but let's give these athletes a chance because they've earned it." And yeah. yes, that could be a problem, but let's react to it in the moment instead of assuming that this can't be handled in a way that, that will work out. Well, so. and I feel bad for compliance officers at schools across the country, Sarah, and as they try and navigate these waters. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. Yeah, But everything yeah. that the NCAA is happening, dealing with now, they did to themselves. They could have been proactive. They weren't. And now this is 100%. 100%. You're right. Those compliance officers and these student athletes are going to have to find people to help them through this so they don't get swindled for sure. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Hard to believe that it is July tomorrow, uh, but that does mean today is the last day of June. That's how months work. And that means it's the last day of Pride Month. And I wanted to take this time on this show uh, to play a little montage from my podcast. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. At the end of each episode this month, I asked my guest or a special guest to join in and share what Pride means to them. Here's what it sounded like. Happy Pride Month. I'm excited for my first guest of the month to kick off what will be a month-long series of of end-of-show moments sharing what pride means. A sort of personal and thoughtful look at the many different ways that LGBTQIA folks feel and, and, and view pride. Here's Jessamine Stanley. I came out before Pride was trendy, and so I and I came out in North Carolina where there was not what well, specifically Greensboro, North Carolina, where there was no our Pride was a picnic table with like some pamphlets on it. So <laughs> this whole idea of like glorifying Pride and it feels very performative to me, and it also just doesn't really I don't feel a very strong connection to it. But when I think about the idea of what Pride is supposed to be. And just really feeling strong in your own identity and not totally unapologetic, middle finger up. I don't have to explain myself to anybody. That is what pride is to me. It is middle fingers up. It is I am who I am 
regardless of how anybody else feels about it. Christina Carl, who's been a guest on this podcast before, shares her perspective as a trans female baseball lifer, co-founder of Baseball Prospectus, member of the Baseball Writers of America, longtime ESPNer, now the sports editor of the San Francisco Chronicle, who really broke down barriers by transitioning in the middle of his successful career as a sports reporter, walking back into those same press boxes she used to work in now as Christina and showing her colleagues and players and managers and the world how to live authentically and with pride. Here's Christina. What does pride mean to me? It means being authentic and open. It means holding my wife's hand and walking down the street and looking every person who gives us a dirty look right in the eye and letting them know that today and every day I am me, we are here, and we are not going away. Here's the incredible Izzy Gutierrez, friend, colleague, former radio co-host of mine, current Around the Horn panelist with me, and Izzy is a very brave and honest and inspiring role model for gay men in sports media. Um, came out later in life and really took us all along with him on the journey. Here's Izzy. Pride to me means comfort. It's comfort in knowing there are other people like me, comfort in knowing that it's something that should be celebrated, not shamed. These are all thoughts of strength that never actually existed in me until I actually participated in a pride event. I was 31 years old. I'd just come out to my friends and family just a few days earlier. And I was in San Francisco with the first person I'd ever dated. He later went on to be my husband and my ex-husband. And we were shirtless walking the streets of San Francisco. Uh, Just a month earlier, I would have been terrified to do anything of the sort. Um, Yet, you know, I was in a comfort zone like I'd never experienced before. And it was so welcomed and so freeing. And I knew that that feeling was so much better than the discomfort forced upon me, basically. Uh, you know, throughout my first 31 years. And when I knew I could experience that feeling all the time, not just at Pride events, it it opened up an entirely different world for me and it helped an entirely new confidence build that was never there before. Since then, Pride events have always felt super comfortable. It's a place where we can also sort of break through our comfort zone. Uh, For example, my partner Anthony, he's had some trouble being fully comfortable with his sexual identity So he's used Pride events as a way to just push past that comfort zone and really feel what it's like to not hold back just because people think you're supposed to be in this particular lane. Um, Pride Month also happens to be in June, which is my birthday month. (laughs) And one of the most memorable days of my life was when marriage equality was passed. It was on my birthday, June 26th, and I was playing uh, in a flag football tournament in Chicago called the Pride Bowl. I'd seen the news on my phone, um, and I was warming up and stuff, and then moments later, uh, my then-fiancé, David, I saw him in the distance walking onto the fields, and I raced over to him and jumped in his arms like a lame movie and told him all the news and told him how happy I was. And I don't think I'll ever, I know, I'll never forget that moment. So overall, yeah, pride means comfort, and it always just puts me in a happy place. Take it away, Elsie. Pride means to me... Being able to walk down the street holding my husband's hand without needing to look over my shoulder or he needing to look over his. Pride to me is buying him flowers and when the woman asks, you know, what's the occasion, being able to answer it without changing pronouns. And pride to me is that time of year where our friends and family gather 
to mourn the loss, celebrate the gain, and recharge the resiliency. Very well said from LZ Granderson. You can listen to podcasts with almost all those people. A couple of them, uh, Izzy, for instance, uh, stepped in when my main podcast guest was not LGBTQIA related. But uh, anyway, all my podcasts are great is what I'm trying to say here. You should listen to all of them, essentially, is my point, and hear more insights like that. Uh, thanks to Sash for putting that together. It turned out really great. Spain and Fit, Sarah Spain. Just beautiful beautiful work by you, too. Like, great, great uh, use of the platform, great use of your microphone. Really proud to be your friend. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm constantly learning from people who are different than me, and I like to talk to them as often as possible so that I can evolve my thoughts on the way people live their lives and the way people are born and the things that I've been raised with and how I need to adjust and change and evolve every single day. And I think we should all be caring about that and working towards that. And I think that was the message at the end of my podcast from this week was really to consider what we surround ourselves with. And and what I urge people to do was to, in that moment, as they were listening to the podcast, go to their favorite social media and follow five or 10 people who are completely different from them for whatever reason, ethnicity, race, religion, sexuality, and understand what we're exposed to every single day changes our opinions on things and seeing people live their true lives in whatever form that takes can really affect the way that we view things that are different or unusual or, or not well known to us. And I think that's huge. We spent a lot of time too talking about some of the issues that we face as a world right now. Uh, One thing that I, I think always hits me at pride month is seeing the progression we've made and the acceptance that it has that it didn't have at least Mm -hmm. in the circles in the life that I saw 10 years ago. So it's it's cool to be uh, an ally of something that means so much to me, but then to see the way that it's growing in acceptance and growing in in cultural relevance every year speaks to me. I think it it is one of, it's rare that we take a second and say, Hey, maybe things are getting a little better here. And in this one sense, it does feel like things are, are getting a little better. And so much of that is representation that happens in sports, right? We just saw with Carl Nassib from the Raiders. It happens in media representation where there are trans or out gay actors or performers all over the media landscape. It happens, like I said, in social media when you surround yourself with people and you see they're just like me. They're, they're just like me. They just believe something different or live somewhere different or love someone different. And um, the more we open ourselves up to that and really seek it out and be intentional about it, the more likely we are to really connect with all the people around us and not just the ones that are like us. And it's becoming increasingly important as we feel more and more divided. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.